Hi, everybody. Mike and Kenton here, but Kenton isn't here, so it's Mike and John Ramsey. John Hola. Ramsey. How you doing? John Ramsey is a worship pastor at Mission Viejo, but it, he's so much more. Tonight, he is podcast partner. We're recording this after the Saturday night service. We are so glad that you tune in and join us. Uh, what we thought we'd talk about tonight, I'm going I'm to quit saying tonight because you're not going to listen to it probably at night. What we're going to talk about now is uh, what is the posture that, that followers of Jesus, sh- Jesus should have in the middle of all this economic news? You know, obviously since 2007, we've been in the middle of just incredible pain uh, financially. Many of us have lost jobs. Many of us have seen our retirement go out the window. Uh, many of us have had to re kind of define ourselves in the workplace. And, you know, now all of this stuff is coming. Uh, our debt, you know, debt's been downgraded and, and um, the markets are spooked. And, you know, we've lost massive amounts of money in the stock market. A lot of people have. And what is the posture uh, that disciples of Jesus are to have? And, and we just want to take a few moments and we don't have obviously all the answers, but just want to give some thoughts because one of the things, John, and tell me if you agree with this, ideally, the posture of disciples of Jesus should not be the same fear, the same anxiety, mm-hmm. and the same trust in money that the rest of the world's dis- rest of the world displays. But I kind of find that that's great in theory, but in practice, that doesn't, doesn't play out. It doesn't really Always. happen. What do you think that is? Uh, I, you know, we have a part of us that we are living in two. Uh, our feet are in two parts of the world, and we have. One part that we are in our culture and we see that and and it draws us in. And then there's this part that we know about what Jesus is calling us to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we are so we're just caught in this, you know, proverbial rock and hard place spot. And we're pulled in two different directions. Right. So we're bombarded with, you know, at least 2000 commercial images a day. And we're inculcated with the view that. Uh, yes, God is good, and one of the ways that he demonstrates his goodness is by providing for us financially. Yeah. And so when you see people, when you see that being messed with, I mean, what we don't want to say is, hey, it's wrong. But we do want to raise the question, should the posture be the same as that of the world? Should the fear be the same? Should mm. the anxiety be the same? And, mm. and the thing that just strikes me is, is Jesus, you know, takes the values of the world and he places them low on God's priority list and he takes the values that are low on the world's priority list and he elevates them in the kingdom. And so he'll say ridiculous things like fortunate is the man who is being persecuted Mm -hmm. for his faith. Fortunate is the person uh, who is mourning. Fortunate is the person uh, who um, uh, will be not only persecuted, but will suffer for the sake of righteousness. You know, you have blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah. You have these things called Beatitudes where Jesus takes, you know, what's he, he doesn't pronounce them over the successful and the ambitious and the wealthy. He pronounces them over the folks in Jewish culture that were not highly regarded, the meek, the humble, the poor in spirit, the persecuted. Nobody's gunning to be that. And yet the invitation of Jesus is, in God's kingdom, it's actually possible to consider yourself fortunate in the midst of circumstances that aren't to your liking. Sure. So we live in this upside downness, then, right? That's what Jesus is uh, presenting: is right. the world that we live in is in all reality is upside down. Is upside down. That's right. So then, how do we live in that upside downness oh, in following Jesus? That's a, in this market that's concept. The, that is such a question. So. In, in Matthew chapter 6, 
and if if you have a Bible handy, read this. I mean, it's just it's one of the most epic uh, passages because he he ties worry and money together. He talks about in Matthew thirteen. He talks about the deceitfulness of wealth, and he ties it to one of the things that keeps us from being fruitful is is the the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. So he ties those two together in Matthew thirteen. He also ties them together in Matthew six, where he talks he talks about. You cannot serve two masters. And then, he, and then it, you think he's doing a left turn, but he starts talking about consider the lilies and <laughs> consider, you know, consider the, like the birds of the air. And, and all of a sudden you, you recognize that there's this very profound thing Jesus is doing as he relates money and worry. That, that in an anxiety-filled culture and, and news media just thrives on fear and anxiety. And in a saturated environment like that, Jesus speaks this word that says, listen, it's not only that God will take uh, care of grass and, and birds mm-hmm. and flowers, but it's that they have a carefreeness to mm-hmm. them. That's what we're called mm-hmm. to emulate because the, the grass does wither and the, the birds do die. Yeah. But the invitation is to live carefree, that you have enough for this moment, that yes, retirement is retirement, but today... You have enough today. And and it's similar to um, my, I come from a, a family where there's a lot of uh, infidelity. And I was at my wedding and a brother, uh, I was nervous. And I was just like, man, I don't know how to stay faithful to somebody for 40 years. And he's like, well, you don't have to be faithful for 40 years. Just be faithful today. Yeah. And I know that's no duh, John, but it was like a really profound statement. And I think Jesus is saying something like this because then he ends that whole section by saying, just let today worry about itself. Tomorrow we'll have enough trouble. Yeah. So he invites us to reorient ourselves around God's goodness and faithfulness and to live in the present moment, not in the future moments. And then the third thing he says um, that's implied all throughout there is to learn generosity. And there was a study that came out this week that I thought was so interesting. And it was it was trumpeted as like really big news. But those that are generous when times are tight don't feel as fearful hmm. as people who are not. Mm. So... I don't remember the details of the study, but I, I read it on a couple of the news sites I, I look at. And I thought that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Absolutely. That there's this. See, when we talk about giving, we're not talking about, hey, guys, we got to we the church needs money or God needs bought off or whatever it is. There is a radical rebellion that takes place when you and I, even in the midst of worry and fear and tight economic times, do the most ridiculous thing imaginable, which is I don't have enough and I'm giving Hmm. to God. And I know it sounds hokey and you have all these health and wealth preachers that can manipulate this into formulas and promises that Jesus never makes. And yet there is this invitation to one of the ways that we learn trust is by learning generosity. And, and, and we wish, I wish I would trust first and then learn generosity, right? I want to learn, but it, I don't think it works that way. I think it actually works like test him. So you think it's part of the journey of you have this fear part that is warring against the freedom part, the carefreeness totally. part. So generosity is the path. Is that what you're saying? That generosity one is one of the paths to uh, getting from absolutely fear to freedom or fear to look at you. The, you sound like a preacher. You sound like <laughs> a preacher, bro. That was awesome. Freedom and fear and faith and failure. And todayness, the living in that today, not worrying about everything that is 
going to be happening tomorrow, where my money's tanking tomorrow, or yes. where it's going to go tomorrow, or what I wanna, my retirement I want to suggest that there is, as part of our apprenticeship to Jesus, there is a posture of the heart that does not put our sense of well-being in the world in terms of how the market's today, mm. or in terms of how our debt rating is, or in terms of whether or not I'm going to make ends meet next week. I, it's so revolutionary that I, I, I hesitate even talking about it because it feels so cheesy and cliche. Hmm. But I hunger for it in moments like these because I look around, I look at my own heart, and I say, we're as terrified as everybody else, and we shouldn't be. I mean, of all the people on earth who should not be afraid uh, of economic you know, bad news, it's the people of God who actually believe that God takes care of them. And, and yet, when we're faced with this reality, we struggle just like everybody else. And I want to say, okay, okay, but let's not have our imperfection dilute the teaching of Jesus that it is possible to consider yourself fortunate when you're suffering and when you're persecuted and when you're poor. Luke just has it, blessed are the poor. Now, Matthew adds in spirit, and that includes physical poverty, but it's a bigger concept. But the point is that... There is a way to relate to Jesus. And I'm convinced one of the ways we begin to do that, living simply, learning generosity, because I don't know about you, dude, but when I, when I own a lot of things, those things own me. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just when I consider it mine, when I start mining things, this mm-hmm. is mine, I just find that it kind of it, it starts insidiously connecting me to it. And so I stress about it and I worry about protecting it and I don't want to be generous with it. And I, you know, I mean, I yeah. just, it, it increases anxiety. It increases stress. Instead of alleviating all of our money doesn't alleviate stress. It increases it. Absolutely. So we've learned some of this and some of it is just the natural leaning towards money, which was why Jesus talked about it so much, Totally. but some of it is passed on from our parents. So then from a parent's standpoint, Ooh. how do you because I think that we as parents then get to learn through the teaching process. Oh, how boy. do we teach? How do we lead our kids away from that same heart and lead you, them to a heart of generosity? Oh, that is so good, bro. Um, I, I really do this imperfectly, so you might want to speak to it too. Um, one thing we do is uh, every time they get something, they're required to give something. Mm-hmm. So around birthdays, Christmases, whatever – they're clearing Urgent. out and, and, and donating. It's not just we're throwing away, but we're going to go to the resource center. Uh, we're going to give this away. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, so that's one thing. The second thing we do is um, we give them not an allowance. We don't, they do chores. We give them money. And one of the things they've seen us model, because we bring them into, you know, big decisions about cars and uh, money and, and gift cards. And God calls us, uh, he's at least called me into some crazy stuff where I'd much rather just be like, Hey, here's my 10% and you know, yeah, I get the rest. <laughs> uh, and so we brought our kids into that. And so, you know, VBS, they're going to take their allowance and they're just like, well, yeah, we'll give it. I mean, for water wells. I mean, so it's, it's not shielding them from the needs of the world. It's actually inviting them into the process. My wife and I are on third thing. And this is where I'm horrible, John. So you need to correct me. I am absolutely financially conservative. And one of the first questions I'll ask about everything is how much it costs. So Justy will come, my wife, Justy will come home with this and I'll be like, well, how much did it cost? And I've, I've seen Nate and Hannah pick that up too. And I don't like that. Hmm. Now, that's a factor, 
But I also want to talk about want versus need. Yeah. That's really what I'm getting yeah, at there. Totally. And and that's the part I'm not I'm not talking to them about it. Because when I say, well, how much is a cost? In my mind, there's a whole litany of assumptions about, well, at this point, it's a want. At this point, it's a need. And that felt like want to me, not need. Yeah. And so I need to do so much better in inviting them into this because the thing I want them to begin to see is exactly what I want for me and I want for our church. Is that there is a posture of the heart that brings freedom that is independent of how your circumstances actually are. Now, that doesn't mean we're not sad. It doesn't mean we don't lament. It doesn't mean we don't get frustrated or we don't think life's unfair. But it does mean that our sense of well-being in the world fundamentally isn't tied to how my life is going. Mm-hmm. In my, according to my definitions of health or prosperity or the dreams I had. Yeah. That there is something else out there. And that's what we want people to hunger for and to mm-hmm. thirst for. Yep. Last thoughts, John Ramsey. I, I love what you're saying about the about wants, you know, I call it the wanter and oh, you know, work, with, yes. work with my kids and I work through it. I'm trying to lead through my own brokenness and trying to fix that in my own heart mm. because my wanter wants some stuff and my I see it in my kids that they're wanter, they want some stuff. And instead of moving after that, uh, moving at a heart of generosity, mm-hmm. moving at a heart of uh, that they're, they're grateful for, um, for what they have yeah. And, and I oh, think that that's that grat- becomes gratitude, a, dude. Comes oh my back goodness. To, uh, wanting what you have, not wanting the stuff that you don't have. And I've heard that somewhere. I, I think we Kenton B. Shore has yeah, ground that into us. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you so faithfully tune in. If if you ever disagree, agree, have other questions, please feel free to send them in. And we love to talk about them. So God bless you. John, thank you for thank the you. assist. Mr. Erie. Yes. Love All you. right, everybody. We'll see you. Peace out.